I, I think we're kind of on like a small mini series that God has been putting on my heart. Uh, and the idea and the question behind it is the idea of change. Change is something that's very central, I believe, in the Christian life. Like you can't be stagnant. I think a lot of people stay stagnant and change is an important part of Christian life. So anyways, um, last week we talked about, do y'all remember what we talked about last week? Well, we had a question. Why don't we see change in the life of Christians? Does anyone remember last week's? It's been, it's been seven days, but don't worry. We looked at the book of James. Do you remember what we talked about? Faith without works is dead. So we talked about the idea that we lack faith sometimes and we lack work, right? We lack faith sometimes and we lack work. When I was, I was using the image of faith saying, we have to look at Jesus and gaze at his face. That was kind of the homework. And as we look and gaze on him, we recognize, like, I can't be the same. If he's the model, I should follow. You know, when I want to grow in my basketball, I go watch someone. I see Steph Curry shoot. I see a model, and then I follow that. Same way, Jesus is our model that if we look at him, we can follow him better. But the second part of that... So we were saying the idea of faith and works go hand in hand. And Hebs asked me this question last week that I thought it was a good question. She's like, works is such a big word. What do you mean by works? So maybe I can ask you guys that question before we get into the question of the week. Because today there's a lot of questions. What, is the, what does the word work mean? Because I said faith and work. Faith, we get the idea of seeing Jesus, this unseen thing we see. Now what does work mean? Because James says faith without works is dead. And maybe this gets into my point, which is the idea of effort. So faith without effort is dead. Because I don't think we associate effort with Christian life. I think we associate effort with 9 to 5. We associate effort with working out. But no one thinks of effort when they think of Christian life. There is an effort required for us to walk with God. There's an effort. You have to think, like, think about the idea of, okay, if I want to lose weight, like, or if I want to get, build muscle, I have to come up with a plan and I have to really work towards it. There's work required. The idea of work and I think the idea of effort goes together. So then you think, what in my Christian life do I need to put effort in? And so I'm actually going to write a few things on the board. And these are things that we've talked about this year and I want to reiterate it. So let me write a few on the board. And, and this, I believe, is the summary of Christian life. Does anyone remember? Any, there's three things I said as a summary of Christian life. It was, like, it was early this year, so no problem if you don't remember. The first thing I said is character, right? Where do you need to put effort into your day-to-day -day life in growing your character? What should the character look like? The character of? Jesus, right? We have so much to model and emulate when we see that. Give me some characteristics that we should have. By the way, let's define the word character. What does character mean? Who we are. Who we are as people is our character. And that takes effort. Because, you know, me and my mom were talking about this yesterday. We are born with certain things naturally inside of each of us. Can you agree with me? Some people react quick. Some people are patient. 
Some people are naturally gentle. Some people are naturally rough. Can you agree with me? And so we have things in our character that we need to refine. This is where the effort comes in. So what are some words that our character should look like? If people defined us, what are some words that it should say? What should they say about us? Love, what else? Joy, what else? Peace, what else? Patience, what else? Kindness, what else? Goodness, what else? Gentleness, what else? Faithfulness, and what else? Self-control. These are, do you know what these are called? The fruits of the Spirit. So now let's think if we were to just even focus in a week on trying to add some of these qualities into our life, think about how much work that is. Right? Like, let's think. Say I have to add self-control. This one's a hard one. I've been trying to watch my, my sugar intake. I have my A1C test coming up. Self-control is hard, especially when everyone offers desserts right now at this time of the year. Right? It takes effort. It takes willfulness. And now you think our Christian life is the same. These are qualities that God wants in us. So there is an effort that is required in our character. The second quality that I said, or the summary of our Christian life, is what? Living in the will of God. We should be people who live in the will of God. And what is the will of God? That is our purpose. So we have a job every day to be living in the will of God. And you have to reflect to yourself and say, am I living in the will of God? Am I focusing on the will of God in my day-to-day -day life? And if not, it takes effort to realign yourself into His way. Because generally and naturally, the world goes towards its will. And the Christian goes towards the will of God. And if you're not conscious of it, you will naturally go towards the will of man rather than the will of God. It takes effort to live in the will of God. And finally, the last thing that I think summarizes Christian life is our disciplines. Right? And this is what you're doing. These are your daily habits. You will never grow in your Christian life till you are accounting for what you're doing each and every day. And so to me, this is the summary of Christian life, right? After you accept Jesus into your life and you begin a journey to walk with him, you have to look at each one of these things and say, am I growing in this? And this takes effort to grow in. And this is where I'm getting at the idea, what does work mean? It takes effort. It takes effort to align yourselves in each of these. And, this, and the hard part is this, as you work on one area, you may lack in another. And as you add one word, you may lose another. It's like you can never, till you die, stop giving up effort towards the thing of God. So let me ask you the question. So, uh, and here's, I had one more comment to say about it. Work is the thing that takes you from where you are in these areas to where you can be. Effort is what takes you from having a not loving heart to a loving heart. Effort is what takes you from having a pessimistic spirit to a joyful spirit. You have a work required. So I ask you the question, um, you know, last week's question is, why don't we see change? This week's question is, how does an individual begin to change? How does an individual look at all of the things that God is calling of us, which can be heavy, 
in the midst of a busy work week, in the midst of a busy life, how does someone begin to change themselves? So let's get into what God put on my heart. I won't take too much time. But the question we're dealing with today is this. How, do we, how does an individual begin the process of change in their life? As they've become a believer, as they encounter God, how do we begin to change? And my prayer is even if you know people who want change in their life, feel free to share. Because I do believe this is word of God to hopefully give breakthrough and deliverance for people. And my prayer is that he, hopefully you want change. Even as I look down that list, it's like I need change. I need to stop relying on myself so much and relying on God more. That's me just being open and honest. So my prayer is as we go through this, be with me together, because I pray that as we're together, God can speak to, through me more. So we're going to look at the text for today. And the text we're looking at is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. And it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the net. When they had done so, they caught so, such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled, other, filled both boats so that they both began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. We're going to read this last verse together again. Ready on the count of three? One, two, three. So they pulled their boats up on shore left everything, and followed him. Now, we're going to do this with a little bit more energy. Can we do it one more time? Ready? One, two, three. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And I want to ask you all real quick, or I'm going to encourage you all, as we get into this, I want you all, I don't know, this is something I always talk about, but be here with me as much as you can. Whatever energy you can give, I talk about this in my classroom, I talk about this here, give. Whether it's a head nod, whether it's a mm-hmm, there you go, okay. It's, we are in this together. So can we try that together? We'll be together today. Even if you want to say amen. Thank you. All right, she's getting the drift. Right. We're here together as we go through this. So we're looking at this text of the disciples leaving everything and following Jesus. And I want you to think for a second. Right? They had, fishing was all they had ever known. If you see the, the depiction of this story in The Chosen, you know, it's like their parents were fishermen. They were fishermen. This is all they had ever known. This was their livelihood. This is how they provided for their family. This is their money. And in one second, they gave all of it up. They changed their entire life with one experience. And I want to ask why. You know, if we, you know, we're talking about the idea of how do we begin change? Why were they willing to change their entire life in a moment? Have you all thought about that? So here's what I see in this. And this, 
takes a little bit of context of knowing what's happening during that time. And again, the Chosen does a good job of this. So during that time, even to fish, the Romans were in charge. So they had to pay a tax on everything. To go fish, you had to pay a tax. When you catch fish, you had to give a tax. Basically, you work so hard and you give it to somebody else. And even the nights you don't catch fish, guess what? You still have to give a tax. So think about their life. They are, they are just struggling to survive. So what I recognize, and this ties into a little what Justina said, well, you have to be tired of your old way for a new way. Real change occurs in a believer and in any person. They say, I'm tired of this. As we were just saying, everyone is okay with okay. People are just complacent. Why don't we see change in any area of our life? Like, you know, I'm trying to be more, more faithful to God. Why? We're okay with it. It works. It works if I get a little mad here and there. It works, you know, I want to live in the will of God, but it works if I just work an eight to five. You have to get to a point where enough is enough. I'm tired of life the way that it is. And when you do, Jesus can move in your life. There can be change in your life. But half of the problem is we don't see change, so we don't want change. We don't see anything better, so we're just like, we just have to do it. Like, why did the disciples keep fishing? They kept fishing because they had no other options. They didn't think anything was better. But the second they saw something better, they went towards it. And here's my encouragement to you. When you see better, which is what the scripture offers us, he's offering you a better way. I'm not saying an easier way, but a better way. When you see the better, you have to say, I want that. Or you will just remain the same. You can always keep doing what you've done, but you have to look inside yourself and say, I want better for myself. I want something different. You know, it's really interesting. As I was saying this, uh, a story came to mind. Um, two weeks ago, they're rolling out this new program at the school. So um, on my computer, I can see whenever they're on their computer, I can literally, if they're on the school website, I can see whatever they're looking on their computer. So like while I'm at my desk, I just have to click on their name and I can see what they're looking at. And so the students hated it. They're like, you're invading my privacy, right? So it got us into a conversation about parenting because some of them, their parents are very overbearing. And then it just made me bring up the question of, okay, what kind of family life do y'all want? And we just had conversations about what kind of family do you want? Some of them like, I was like, do you all talk to your parents? They're like, no, I go to my room. They go to their room. We just sit by ourselves. I was like, why don't, why don't you try to talk with them? And they're like, my parents don't want to talk to me. You know, some of them have Indian parents. <laughs> they just want to talk at me, not with me. And so I was like, but, but when, why not? And I started telling them how I started having conversation with my parents. And I would sit them down and say like, hey, like, you know, I would ask them questions about their life. And I said, sometimes the most fun moments of my life were just sitting around the table talking with my parents. And for those 30 minutes we were talking in class about that, everyone was listening to me. Like, I was like, 
they don't even listen like that for math. <laughs> I'm like, they were really listening because they had not seen something before. And when they got a glimpse of it, they were, I could see they wanted to try it. Because when you see something different that you want, you're like, I maybe want that for my life. And that doesn't mean it's easy, but it's like, I want that. Why am I okay with what is? And that was, that was the whole life of Jesus. He came to show us a better way. He came to show us, why are you so struggling so hard in this earth? That's just 80 years. Right? He lived in such a way that it was like he gave up his life. And so he's offering you that. Like today, he's, he showed us that living in the will of God is the most important thing. So he showed us a better way. You have to come to terms and say, he showed us, are you okay with where you're at or do you want more? And so I want to encourage you, the first thing, if you really want to see change for yourself, is you have to get tired of what is. And so I ask you a question, are you tired of your ways or are you okay with it? Are you tired of, are you okay with your character being the way that it is? Or is there something that you could be growing in? And it's really easy, like Marvin said, to pick, look at all nine and be like, okay, let me try all of them, and then nothing happens. So even in this week, it's saying, you know, I'm tired of my inability to control my patience. I want to be more patient this week. Or I want to have more control with my words. You have to get tired of it first. And, and like I said, it's not just you get tired mentally. It's look at Jesus. He shows you better. You know, I just imagine, you know, Jesus... I just think about this. When he stands before the council and they're all accusing him of so many things, he has every right to say, no, I didn't do that. And yet Jesus keeps his mouth shut. And I think, wow, that is a model for me. If people are talking bad or I'm in a, a hard situation, he shows me what I can be like. I can just shut my mouth. He is my model. That is a better way. So let me just encourage you, the first step, I think you got to get tired of how you are and the way life is. And I think if you do, you move more towards what God needs. The second part of it is, I ask the question, what is their response to seeing a new way? So they saw Jesus. They saw that, man, this old way of life is not enough. They saw that, and then what did they do? They had to get rid of some things, right? right? The second you realize something in my life has to change, you have to get rid of some things. You have to get rid of some things, right? For them it was, they had to give up their profession and their way of living to follow something better. You know, I think as believers, this is one of the hardest things for us to do. We love looking at Jesus and seeing this model. You know, every time we partake of the Lord's table together, we love it. We love seeing Jesus, but we have to remember he wants the same from us. Do you understand that he gave up his life? So you are going to have to give things up. If you want to follow his way, you're going to have to give things up. So again, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up quick, but even any of these things that you're like, okay, I want to grow in, Things have to be given up. So if you want to be more gentle, right, it may mean that you have to give up your right to say what you want to say. 
you have to give something up. You know, we look at the idea of living in the will of God. You know, prioritizing the will of God over your will might mean that you have to give up some free time that you have to prioritize His will. You have to give up these things that you have to give up your desires of life for His desires of life. You know, like, you know, He says, can you, can you be disciplined with me? You know, they, you know, one of my struggles right now is every night when I'm tired, I just want to watch an episode of something. And I've been doing that this last week. And that may mean I have to give that up, that 20 minutes, just to go spend in His presence. All of it to say anything that you want to transform, anything you want to change first starts with you saying, I don't like this part of me anymore. And you have to be really tired of it. And then the next thing you do is you have to cut some ties. You know what I'm saying? They gave up their nets. The thing that was their livelihood, they gave up. Think how scary that is. You know, in the show, they, talk, they show Peter with his wife. And it's like, think you have a wife at home. You have kids. You don't even know what your sustenance will be. Yet they gave that up. Anything that God calls you to, He requires you sacrificing. Something has to be given up. But the truth is this, something better always replaces it. Something better is there for you. I'll give you one story of this and I'll be done for the day. So, you know, one of the things that I always felt God called me for is to take care of widows and orphans. And I remember we had a neighbor who, you know, she's, they had been our neighbors for years, maybe 10 years. I remember one day, she, I was, this was one of my parents' house. She calls our house and she says, could one of y'all come over? And so I was like, okay. So we, like, we go over there. And the husband was, she, they were living, just the, they were like in their 70s. Or I think he was 80, she was 70. And he sat down on the toilet and couldn't get up. So I just helped him get up. And she was like, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And so I didn't think much else of it. And then the next few days, the husband passes away. He was really sick. And so from then on, I thought to myself, okay, one of the things God calls is to love widows and orphans. So I made it a point to go try to spend time with her. She lived across the street. She lived by herself. So I just thought, let me go spend time. And this is when I was in my master's program, even into married life. And so every maybe a few weeks or so, I would go there. And again, it was a sacrifice because it's sacrificing time. I remember when I had like studying to do for my master's, it was like I would take 30 minutes to go spend with her. And, you know, during that time, it was like a lot of uncertainty about life. And I was just so, like, heavy. I was like, what is my life? What am I doing with my life? I need to be studying. But then I would go there. And I would remember, some days I would just be sitting across from her and talking to her. And I would remember feeling so much peace, like heavenly peace. And I remember thinking, man, it's really nice being here right now. Like, <laughs> I really enjoy this. Like, I know I have all of these stresses of life and I have things that I need to do, but man, I really enjoy this. And so I learned something. Anything you give up for God may seem like it hurts in the moment, but He's giving you something better. Those experiences are things that I will never forget in my lifetime. That peace, like, I don't know if you've ever felt that. Just like everything is bad, but you just feel like it's going to be okay. God's with me. And so I even brought a picture of her, like, you know, before, <laughs> before she passed, you know, she got to meet Hepsi, 
and uh, we printed a, a picture. We put it, we framed it for her to give in her house. And literally, we would go at her house, and she put our picture even in front of her kids' pictures. <laughs> it was so nice. And so we have that in our house. She passed away maybe three years ago, and the kids came and brought us the picture, just saying thank you for doing that. But all of it to say, it was a reminder to me that his way is always better. And many times, we think our way is better, so we don't give things up. But I want to encourage you, if you want to see change in your life, you have to be okay sacrificing some things. And the coolest part is this, the more you're willing to give up for God, the more he's able to fill that with something better. They were willing to give up their life for him. And you see how their life had it filled with meaning. Maybe not in their lifetime, but even to this day, 2,000 years later, 2,000 years later, we talk about him, them, right? Because they were willing to give something up. So let me encourage you today. I, I, I end, well, let me ask you the question. What is God calling you to give up today? Whether it's a daily thing, a daily discipline, whether it's you walking in his will more or something in your character. I'm just giving some areas that you can focus in on. What is he calling you to give up? And I want to encourage you, if you don't pick something clear right now, I think it's so easy to lose that in the busyness of a week. So think of what is one thing he's calling you to give up. Can you give it up for him? And pray and believe that something better will come. So I end with where I began with the question is, how does an individual begin the process of change? What did I say first? What was the first thing that I mentioned? Well, you have to be tired of your old way. Go ahead. You have to be tired of the old way, and the more tired you become, the more likely that you will shift towards his way. And the last thing that I said is what? You have to get rid of some things in order for change to happen. Don't expect for your life to be different if you're always doing the same things. If you've done the same thing every day, don't think anything in your life will change. Truly. You have to give some things up for your life to change and for you to look more and more like an image of Christ. But I want to encourage you, this is not an easy thing, but it's something that's worth it. And whatever you give up, he always fills it with something better. So look to him, trust him, and begin the journey towards change. I'll end by saying this. One of the central themes of our church is growth and change. If we are not growing as believers, we're not doing this right. And the way I say that is we should be growing more in his image. So let me encourage you this week, make it intentional, be, be focused, and move towards, something, move towards something better and some change in your life. So we're going to end with the word of prayer. We've gotten to 12 o'clock. And I just want to encourage you, just take a moment and reflect and pray to God to ask you to clearly tell you if there's any area of your life that you would like to grow in or you would like to see change. Ask him this morning, speak to me. Speak to me clearly so that I can hear what you need of me.